Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Zach, how are you, my friend? Pamela, I'm so good. Fantastic. What could be better? Loved your energy the second that we came on screen today. I was like, I can't wait to hear a story. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. And so with that said, you know, I always begin with my most loaded questions, but it's always so much fun and great. So Zach, what really inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Inspiration comes from a lot of places, Pamela, but I would say if I think about the most important moments of my journey, inspiration came from two big sources. One were the family and friends and people closest to me, and the other was books and the voices of the heroes and the the people who had gone well before, especially some of the older classics I love to read, and just being inspired by those stories those were the two places I always would would feed off of to find inspiration. You know, so the the greats like Zig Ziglar and going back to Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and those kinds of people, just this amazing body of work around personal development. And then I'm blessed to have a family that really loves me, always believed in me. And no matter how hard I hit my face against rock bottom, they were right there to give me a hand up and and love me through the process. And so Those are the two places that I've always drawn inspiration from. And I think the cool part, Pamela, is then it it really becomes a part of you. And now I see so much more, it's from the inside out. You know, I I don't have to go external to find inspiration anymore. It's just amazing how much of that is already in you. But I think that's something you discover along the way. Over time, right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole journey, my friend, my gosh. My gosh. And speaking of journey, what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? Like, what was like your dream? There were two dreams. One of them was to be a professional baseball player. You know, I always loved baseball and there would have would have been a lot of fun to do that. But I completely lacked the talent to ever play pro baseball. So the other dream was realized I wanted to be an engineer. And my dad was an electrical engineer. I grew up in a home where fun in the basement was soldering circuits and playing with LEDs and switches and resistors. <laughs> that was a big part of my childhood. And I wanted to be an engineer and I did go down that route, love technology and engineering and have so much respect for engineers and, and people in science and the STEM professions. Yeah, I just, I was that kid from Dilbert, you know, who had the knack and wanted to be an engineer one day. I love that. And you fulfilled that dream, which is amazing. Yeah, oh gosh. Yeah. So you said your dad was an engineer growing up. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. So a lot of the, so a lot of the inspiration stemmed from, stemmed from him. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yep. Just watching him do his work, thinking it was so cool. You know, my dad worked at Bell Labs and AT&T in the glory days of telecommunications, you know, when when those companies were just growing enormous, enormously as new technology with phones and then cell phones started to become a thing, right? And it was exploding. So he was designing circuits for a lot of those new technologies, those new products. And it was really 
cool to be able to brag about my dad doing this really amazing engineering. So yeah, that was a big part of my childhood for sure. I love that. I love that. You said you were playing with circuits in the basement. What <laughs> yeah. was going on there? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're when your dad's a nerd, you become a nerd too, and that's okay. I'm proud of it. So yeah, we had computers. You know, well before most of my friends did. You know, I remember having my first computer before my aunt and uncle even knew how to use one. Like I was five years old playing on a computer at home and my aunt didn't even know what a mouse was. It's like, what is this thing? You know, how do you use this? And so that was a big part of the experience. And, you know, for me going downstairs to hang out with dad was just like, I want to do what you do. And so he would you know, show me how to use a soldering iron or wire together some LEDs and make a little game out of, you know, what button will turn on which light. And it was, very nerdy stuff, but I thought it was cool because you get to hang with dad and your friends think it's neat because they don't get to do anything like that, right? Anybody can play ping pong, but not everybody can solder their own printed circuit board. So that, that was pretty cool. That's so amazing. Oh my God. And as a kid, you wanted to be that. That's amazing. And so now growing up, walk me through kind of like your childhood into like middle school into high school. My home was an academic focused place. My mom was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher and administrator. My aunt's a teacher. So academics was a big deal. And I didn't dislike that. I just, that's the only thing I knew. And so really focused on school and learning and did well in school. But Pamela, the, the defining moments of my childhood, the one that really stands out is that in seventh grade, I was at home for Christmas break and I just had my tonsils and adenoids taken out. So I don't know if anybody's had that surgery, but you know, you're kind of swollen. So you can imagine me at home. This is my first surgery, so to speak. I've got the bag of frozen peas on my face, you know, trying to keep the swelling down. And I took a nap on the couch. I wake up from my nap and our house is full of people, which is very strange. And I trying to orient myself and somebody comes over who's a member at our church and you know asks me how I'm doing do I need any water etc and I look over and my mom's in the other room crying and you know I can't see my sisters anywhere can't see my dad anywhere and this gentleman who was an elder at our church said hey I know you're confused your dad left a note for your mom that he's leaving that he wants to get a divorce we can't get in touch with him we don't know where he is and that's kind of what's going on and everything's okay it's going to be okay this absolutely earth-shattering moment for me as a kid i was 13 years old on pain medication and already a little delusional as it is and then this whole shift in my universe happens unexpectedly the day before christmas and you know i really spiraled into a very deep depression at that time for me that relationship with my dad i was just telling you it was a really obviously important one for everybody it was for me as well. Never had any semblance of a relationship with him again. I mean, we had a few visits, some court-ordered time, etc. But uh, to this day, I have no relationship with my dad. I assume he's alive, but I don't even know. And so that was a defining shift in my childhood. And, you know, high school, I really feel blessed, Pamela, that that time didn't send me down a really negative path, you know, into bad behaviors or drugs or gangs or, you know, some of the, the things that can happen when you're so confused and in those you know, kind of situations. But it definitely left a gap in my understanding of manhood and just kind of figuring out life. And I 
really pressed against the idea of other people fathering me. I didn't really want that in my life at the time, but finished school with great grades, went to engineering school anyway. And I, I joke with people, I rebelled against my father by instead of doing electrical engineering, I did mechanical engineering. That was my, my, that was my spirit of rebellion coming out and got onto a track in my career. And I'll pause there for a moment, Pamela, maybe you can respond or reflect, but that was for mm -hmm. me just a, a really, really challenging shift in my life. Yeah, no, Zach, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And as you were kind of describing it, I was like envisioning it all. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like to be 13 years old, it's such a pivotal stage in your life because you're just trying to figure out like who you are, what's your identity and everything associated yeah. with that. And then all of a sudden you come home to this and it's like, whoa, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Right. Like I can't imagine like the mental processes and everything that went through there. And like, thank God you didn't go down the wrong path. Cause this is exactly what happens when yeah. traumatizing things happen at, especially at that age, teenage years, there's two choices. Either you screw your life up or you go down the right path. And it's very hard. And especially without like that mentor, that figure in your life in which you looked up to forever. Mm -hmm. So that, that to me is like, I know it was a long time ago, but like maybe there's someone right now going through a shift in their life where they were like, what the heck? How do I even pivot? Or maybe parents who have kids that are going through that right now. Sure. Um, yeah. would like your advice there based on your experience. I can't speak to it from the lens of a parent. Right. But I can tell you for me how grateful I am that my mom, even though she was grieving and dealing with her own issues and wounds at that time, she was a hero in so many ways to make sure that we had every chance to succeed in life at that moment. So got us into counseling right away, even though we didn't want to go, made us go. The family, I told you my inspiration of this, my family who loved me so much, just really being present, you know, my grandparents coming to the house a lot, just hanging out and helping me to feel safe and secure in our home and in that family unit. So I didn't have to go somewhere to find something, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to just sort of be in the discomfort of what was going on around people who I knew loved me and just kind of figure it out. And for me, I, I withdrew into a place of silence and just depression kind of being on my own, but I always felt safe because there were people around who I loved and trusted. And I know that was a huge sacrifice for them. So what would be my advice? You know, if you have kids going through this or, you know, we can maybe talk from the lens of now me as an adult having gone through it, if somebody relates to my situation, but just make sure that the environment is as conducive to the right choices as possible. And if you leave 13 year old Zach alone in those months following, I'm sure I would have found much less productive things to do with my time than play piano and study my schoolwork, you know, but because of that environment, and some of the decisions my mom made to set me up for success, even when it was really, really hard or expensive, when we didn't have that money, she made it happen and you know, worked two jobs and did all kinds of things to provide for us. So that is the difference maker, just having those people there and the environment around me that created an opportunity for success. I love that, Zach. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, it's key, the environment is key, right? 
everything around it and how it can affect our decisions, our life trajectory and all of that. I tell people all the time, I'm like, if, if you're not, if you're in a stagnant place or you're in a place where you feel like you're, you're stuck or you just feel like you can't move forward or that you're going to go down where you don't want to be like, get out of there. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Right. And so key for parents to know that too, because I love that you mentioned that it was the conducive environment that really held you together despite all of it, you know? Yeah. And we could geek out about the research now about how much your environment really does stimulate and trigger a subconscious pattern as adults. And I agree with you hundred percent, Pamela. This is why we go to conferences. We have these engaging breakthrough kinds of experiences and we're so ready to change our lives. And then we go home and we get back into the same environment with the same routines, with the same triggers around the same people doing the same work in the same way, driving down the same road in the same car and the same, same, same. And your entire subconscious mind, which is 95% of the horsepower of what drives our life is going to go on autopilot every single time. And those environmental shifts are so important if you want to create a new trajectory in your life. 100%. And, and touching on that, because I always get into this too, when it comes to environment, it affects everything, right? And if you have a subconscious mind that you don't agree with and you have to unprogram, that environment becomes even that much more totally. important, right? So totally. like, what are some tips that you have to kind of break that? Like where it is. Just- yeah. Well, it's a two-way street, right? It's a two-way street. So what I love about changing environment is that that's one that we have direct control over. And it's an external shift that when it changes, the way I describe it is creates the void, the vacuum, the opportunity now to fill what has changed and shifted with something better, something more productive. But don't think that just changing the environment automatically produces a positive change. All it does is open up the space. Now you must proactively, intentionally design a new set of habits, routines, systems, behaviors that will get you to the next level of results. So what's an example of this? Easy one most people have heard or could relate to. You might use an alarm clock or your cell phone for your wake up in the morning and it's sitting right there on the bedside table next to you. And your typical morning is you hit the snooze button five, six, seven times, it takes you an hour to get out of bed and you know, your alarm's set for six, but you're not moving till 7.30, right? All right, well, if you wanna change your environment, move the alarm to the other side of the room, turn it up, make it a different sound than the sound you've been using. So you've changed the location, you forced yourself to get out of the bed to turn it off and it's a new sound that you're waking up to. So your subconscious mind doesn't have that exact same trigger as you're waking up. Oh, and by the way, put your workout clothes in a pile, you know, right underneath the phone so that when you walk over to turn off the alarm, you can put your hands right on the clothes and walk into the restroom, change and head to the gym. Like that's a simple environmental shift that doesn't require moving to a new state or making all new friends. But by doing that, you create the opportunity for a new way to start your day. Now, Pamela, you could just as soon walk over there, grab your phone, turn it to or hit the snooze, go back and get in the bed and nothing changes. So mm-hmm. it, it's not a guarantee, but you open the door to a new choice, to a new behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we can extrapolate this to any area of our life. There's always a way to create a shift. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be you know, world changing, but there's always these little options. So that's sort of that outside in 
shift of the subconscious. Let's change the environment to create a new opportunity for behavior change. The opposite direction, which is equally, if not more powerful, but I would say is more difficult for most people to master, is to do the inner work, you know, hire a coach, do therapy, do the things that are gonna take care of what's stuck in your nervous system, in your subconscious, from these childhood wounds or traumas or from a lifetime of a certain pattern of behavior. Go do the work on yourself in a way that the inside then changes the atmosphere and the environment around you, which in many ways I say is more powerful because it's more permanent. Mm -hmm. When you become a new person, you will experience new behaviors, new actions, new results consistently because that identity shift, that becoming, that's the starting point of, of it all. And so as you become new, then the world around you will become new as well. You know, and there's a time lag and a lot of people get impatient, but it always works. And so I'm a big fan of doing both, right? Let's take advantage of these outside in shifts because why not? It's right there, it's easy to do. Get somebody to help you with ideas and just go execute. But if you want to experience permanent, long-term changes in the quality of your life and the experience of your life, then you got to go do the inner work as well. Amen. Amen to that, Zach. Oh my gosh. And we're going to get back to all of this without a doubt. I just want to hear a little bit more about your journey past this. Sure. Point. It was such, yeah. a pivotal, such a pivotal time. So walk me through then like high school and past that point of how, you know, after all of these shifts. Totally. Up, Totally. Well, I can say, Pamela, I don't ever want to go back to high school, but I loved high school. I really did. I was blessed. I got to go to a private Christian high school, made great friends, got into great communities, played baseball, got, you know, 4.0 academic superstar. Like I did all the things and I really loved it. So Heritage Christian High School in Indianapolis, Indiana, just appreciate you. It was a great time. But came out of that, went to Purdue, studied mechanical engineering, and Purdue was amazing. I mean, anybody who's experienced a four-year college experience, I mean, well, there's so much fun. You're becoming a new person, meeting all these new people. And for me, what Purdue represented was this first time that I had to face some of those gaps of the fathering and the becoming in terms of manhood and, and how to live in an autonomous way that I missed growing up. And there were some wake-up call moments. I'll tell you a funny one, Pamela, I was a freshman I lived in a dorm and I made some great new friends on my hall. One of them was the best man at my wedding and just an incredible guy named Sam. I love him so much. But Sam and Nathan and I and a couple of people, we were gonna get pizza. It's like a Friday night. We're gonna get pizza and eat in the dorm, watch a movie and pizza arrives. And I'm the one who goes down to pay for the pizzas. You know, we got all our wadded up fives and paying for pizza. And I walk upstairs and I'm like thinking, this'll be funny. I'm gonna take the pizza to my room instead of to Nathan's room where we're planning to watch the movie and tell people like, sorry, I'm keeping it. Like, if you want the pizza, you're gonna have to come get it. And I'm not sure why I thought that would be funny, but, but I did. And Nathan walks down the hall, walks into my room and just punches me in the stomach incredibly hard. <laughs> like I'm keeled over on the floor 
trying to catch my breath. It winded me completely. Just knocked the air out of me. He takes the pizzas, walks down the hall, just watching the, pushes play on the movie. And I'm like rolling around in my dorm room on the floor. Like what just happened? I've never had an experience like this in my life. You know, I've, I did never really rustle or fight or do anything growing up. You know, two sisters and my mom, I was the only boy at home. I wasn't a very rough experience. So <laughs> anyway, it was little moments like that where my wake up calls that the world is a bigger place than I've experienced. <laughs> so that was Purdue. And then fast forward, I got into my career in mechanical engineering, got a great job, got married right out of college to my, my dance partner. I did ballroom and Latin dancing at Purdue. Wow. Uh, dance partner named Susan. We got married right after I graduated and I was on the road to the American dream. Great job, great salary, great wife. You know, lived in Michigan on this great place right near the lake, and everything was so good, I thought. And a year goes by, and two years goes by, and I'm hungry for success. I want to get promotions. I want to be somebody, right? My whole life, Pamela, everybody told me, Zach, you're so smart. You're so great at communicating. You have all these skills. You're going to be a great engineer. And I built this identity around my intelligence and that I was going to be successful because everybody told me I would be. Mm. And so I needed to go prove to all of them and to myself that that was true. And I only had one strategy that I knew to do that. And it worked for me my whole life. And that was simple, work harder and get smarter. So put in the time and lean on my intelligence. That always worked for me in high school and in college. And that's all I knew how to do as an adult. And guess what? <laughs> It's not a great strategy. <laughs> the hardest working, smartest people don't always win. And in fact, when you talk about marriage and you talk about your health and other things in life that are not just physics problems, it's a really terrible strategy. And five years later or so, my marriage is crumbling, but I'm ignoring that. I'm pretending that it's okay. My career is doing well. Not extraordinary, but it's fine. But that's the only place I felt like I could succeed. And so I was really investing my time and energy there. Mm. But I was getting tired. I was really confused, but I was pretending that everything was fine. Mm. Outwardly telling everyone, it's good. My life is so good. I've got these big goals. I've got this. You know, well, I'm on a work trip in Tennessee, really long days, grinding it out on the factory floor, early to the plant late nights, hustling. And it was a really exciting time for me because I was the man. I was the leader of the project, the technical lead. Everybody's asking me for the answers. I'm just running around, taking care of this. Really stroked my ego, really made me feel like somebody, right? And I come home from this work trip and I'm not even sure I talked to my wife a single time while I was gone. So I come home, she's supposed to be there. I'm gonna tell her all about this amazing trip I just had and how great I am at my job, you know? And instead of coming home to my spouse, Pamela, I walk in and there's a note on the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. And the note says, this isn't working. I want a divorce. Everything that I just told you about age 13 came flooding back into my life at age 27. Mm -hmm. And my entire world came to a screeching halt. And I literally just collapsed on the floor and started crying and asking myself like, how is it possible that my life is here right now. The one thing I swore I would never do is get divorced because I hated how it affected my childhood. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm about to end up divorced. Like this is, this is, this is impossible. This can't happen. You know, and so much just breaking in my, in my world at that moment. And I picked up the phone and I called my sister and Lindsay is an amazing, amazing woman. And I told her the truth. Pam was the first time in my entire adult life that I actually told the truth. You know, my, my marriage is breaking. I'm not happy. Nothing's working. I have no idea what to do. I'm, I'm completely lost. Like, help. <laughs> I need help. And it was a very humbling, you know, lots of tears kind of conversation. But that was the beginning of the real trajectory of my life that I now enjoy was in that in that moment. And sadly, I did end up divorced. You know, it didn't takes two to stay married. And I, I was too far gone. I'd let that go to a point that it was unrecoverable. But a lot of growth happened in the years that followed, you know, it takes us to where we are today. But these two moments, you know, my parents divorcing and how that broke me as a child, and then my own divorce as an adult, you know, in that moment, none of the promotions matter. The paychecks don't matter. Like all that stuff that you think you want, success doesn't matter. It's like, it puts everything in perspective. And that's where I hit rock bottom. That's where I burned out, you know, experienced depression again, but even more so just embarrassment. It's like shame. Like how, how did this successful, has everything going for him guy fail this bad? I had to pick myself up off of... <laughs> The floor of rock bottom. My goodness, oh my gosh. I felt all of that as you were describing that. My gosh. And that right when you said it before you mentioned the 13-year-old self, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what happens is in our in our worlds, if we're not aware of certain things, there's patterns that surface within our generational minds. And right when you said that, it reminded me of that. It's like holy crap how did we get here mm -hmm. and like it's not an easy place to be and i'm thank you so much for being vulnerable to tell the story because moments like that are not easy to talk about you know i bet you there's somebody's listening right now who's experiencing that or has experienced that and is still grieving from that and trying to move forward it's something that like it puts everything else on pause everything else yeah, on pause. yeah it really does what do you do from here on out and one of the best things that I'd love to hear from you is like, wow, at this point, how did you move forward from that, you know, to where you are now? Because now you're just like super driven, super positive, like very aware. And it's so beautiful, but I know there was a journey there, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we mentioned things take time. Yeah, yeah. It took time. It took time, but here's the most important things I'll share my heart around this with anyone who is resonating with this story and everybody has their own version. It may not be divorced, right? It could be any of a number of things that creates your rock bottom experience or the trauma that you're dealing with. But I said earlier that I told my sister the truth and, and point one that I know made a huge difference in my life was that I stopped keeping secrets. I stopped pretending to be somebody who I was not. And I, I told the truth to the people who deserved to know the truth, the people who loved me. There's a, 
a passage of scripture that says, don't cast your pearls before swine. <laughs> and, and this is not about blasting your junk on Facebook and Instagram to the world. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about saying to somebody who loves you and is committed to you in your life, hey, here's what's actually going on. Here's where I actually need help. Here's where I'm stuck. Here's where I'm angry. Here's where I'm frustrated. I call it being fully known. And I can tell you that that was the first time in my life that I was fully known. And that creates such freedom. You know, the truth will set you free. And when, when you don't tell the truth, you are creating bondage in your soul for yourself. If you're not telling the truth, you're in bondage. And the greater degree to which you tell the truth, the greater degree, degree to which you experience freedom, which is really what we all want. We want to be free to act financially free, free with our time. Like everybody wants this deep sense of freedom and happiness that comes with it. So tell the truth to the people who deserve to know the truth. Mm. And then the second thing was I had the courage, even though it hurt, to ask for help. Mm. I hired a counselor immediately, started doing therapy twice a week having those conversations, getting professional help on the trauma and the grief, and now going back to age 13 and dealing with the unresolved conflicts and things happening there and forgiving my dad and like all of it, right? It just needed to go deal with the crap. So I asked for help and I didn't just do the work in the rear view mirror. I also hired my first coach and said, all right, I'm not done with life. <laughs> I still want to be successful. Just because I'm on rock bottom right now doesn't mean that the version of Zach that wants to make an impact and wants to grow and experience more of what this life has to offer just died. Like, I'm still alive. <laughs> I still want those things. But I'm also really afraid of failing again. And so I, I need that partner, that guide to help me move forward. And so I hired a coach. And that's where the coach in me was was born. I didn't know it at the time, but working with that coach changed my life in so many ways, not just the results that I created in the years that followed that were tremendous. I mean, five promotions in five years, doubled my income, got remarried to the most amazing woman in the world named Johanna, like everything has shifted, but it wasn't because of my strength, right? It was reconnecting with my faith, my family, and then getting the help I needed to learn from thousands of other people's mistakes. Like, I don't need to make every mistake. Lots of other people have made them for me so I can learn from those lessons. And I love how Alex Hermosi talks about this, that really successful people know that the best way to get ahead faster, if that's what you want, is to buy time. How do you buy time? You pay money now for the lessons of the mistakes that would otherwise take you a lot of time to learn. So hire that coach, hire that trainer, take that course, go get that extra you know, conference uh, on your schedule, whatever it is to get the lessons from the people who've spent thousands of years of combined time, because I can only live one lifetime mm -hmm. and I want to buy the lessons from hundreds or thousands of other people's lifetimes. Yes. And I started doing that aggressively, like everything I could invest into myself. I did, you know, six figures of investment over five years, I'm sure. And now I'm at a much higher pace than that. I mean, I, I constantly am investing in myself because I know the return is truly unlimited. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things. Tell the truth and ask for help. Everybody's conditioned to think that those are signs of weakness. I was super embarrassed to do those two things. Yep. Now I look back, Pamela, and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, that was the strongest move I ever made. Mm 
And I wish I'd done it a long, long time before. Right. It's a sign of strength. So there you go. <laughs> like, I adore that. I adore that. Doc. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then just like, wow, I'm just super inspired by your journey and kind of everything you took from it, the lessons and all of it. My gosh, you mentioned something super important. You said the coach in you was born in that time and you didn't even realize. Yeah. So walk me through that. Yeah, I mean, this is the amazing twist ending to my story, which is certainly not an ending. It's just a new beginning. But what I didn't know until much later is that I became an engineer not to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. I spent a decade as an engineer, and I'm very good at engineering, or at least I was. It's been a while since I've done it now. But that whole foundation set me up for what is my ultimate calling in life, which is to help engineering leaders, leaders in technology and in science and these STEM fields that are so demanding and so easy to end up burned out. And also our personalities can can create some of these challenges like I described, where we, you know, our ego gets involved or maybe introverted, we struggle with relationships and we end up in these challenging situations. So in 2019, I took everything that I had learned, healing from grief and trauma, being coached in how to create career success in a rapid pace and truly at the next level, and to balance my life to where relationships were amazing, my health was amazing, my family was amazing, my career was amazing. Like all of it was working at the same time. And I took all of that and said, why did it change my life? How did it change my life? And how can I share this with an engineer? because everybody needs this. It's a message for all people, but some of us hear things differently. And if you know an engineer or you are one, you'll understand what I mean. Like we're kind of a special breed, <laughs> okay? And that's all right, we're proud of that. We wear that badge with honor. But I just asked, how can I make this accessible to that technical leader who really wants to grow in their career, but always feels the tension that if my career becomes a priority, my family's not. If my career takes more time and energy, then my health collapses and I'm struggling, I'm gaining weight, I'm out of shape, or they always feel like there's a trade-off. Yeah. And so I wanna share with these leaders, you can build your career and balance your life and be happy across the entire journey. It is possible. I've done it and now we've helped hundreds of other engineering leaders to do it. And so Oasis of Courage, my company to coach these leaders, was born in 2019, but the seed was planted right after that divorce when I hired my first coach because being coached showed me the power of that relationship and how important it is to have that guide and that person with you to, again, just cut decades off of the growth curve that it would have taken me to do it on my own. Right, and I love that. And I love that you said like you're paying for lessons that other people have already learned so you don't have to spend that time doing so. And that is so key. I've done that with real estate investing. You know, like I hired a coach initially too. And that's how I dove into the game. That's why I kind of ended up in doing this now. Because yeah. I want to back, right? Real estate changed my life. Now I want to help other people get there. So it's incredible how that journey takes you and how that learning curve can be completely expedited. But people are like, oh, it's too expensive. I'm like, no, you know, what's expensive is you wasting your time. Exactly. And that's a mindset shift that until you get it, you don't get it. And, and I don't waste my time anymore trying to convince people that that's true. It's like, look, if you're not ready, there's a thousand other engineers who are, and I'm going to go find them and we're going to start. And when you are ready, then let's go. But you know, if you're out there 
saying, oh, it's you know $5,000 for this coaching program. That's so much money. Da, da, da. Like, ask yourself, what are you comparing this to? Let's just be logical. I'm an engineer. I want to be logical, right? Let's not get crazy in the woo-woo of all that. Like, let's just be real. What are you comparing it to? If you're comparing it to the cost of lunch, yeah, it's expensive. But if you're comparing it to the cost of you know a two hundred thousand dollar MBA, that's probably not going to do much for you. Or you're comparing it to the opportunity cost of mm. not getting to that goal, or potentially never achieving the things that you could, and then you start talking about compounding interest on the the things you can create. That's just the financial side. Like, right. what is your happiness worth? What is your health worth? Right. You'll go find anybody who's struggling with their health, who's overweight or, you know, struggling with diabetes or there's a thousand things. Would they trade $5,000 for health right now? Absolutely. But the mm -hmm. problem is the time that you needed to trade it was 10 years ago. So don't wait, like put that money in. You'll, you'll never regret betting on yourself because mm -hmm. you have an unlimited upside. Unlike the stock market, <laughs> you know, betting on Pamela, has an unlimited return. And that's not just money we're talking about, right? We're talking about quality of your life. And so, ugh, gotta love do it. <laughs> gotta oh, do it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Like you've dropped so many gems throughout this entire interview. Like I love it all. It's so incredible. Oh, thank you. But now here comes my favorite question. And I'm so interested to see what you say on this one. So Zach, what would your higher self well, your older self, I would say, like, self tell your younger self based on what you know now. This is a really important question to ask yourself often. And I love that you said higher self, older self, because a lot of times when I do visualization, if I'm thinking about a tough problem in my business or if I'm dealing with a conflict in my marriage, yes, I'm still human. Even though I was, you know, failed once, I still have problems in my marriage at times. I love to call on that version of myself, just imagining old Zach, you know, rocking chair Zach coming into the scene looking at the situation and just speaking wisdom into that situation. It's a really powerful way to tap into your inner wisdom that's already there. So old, wise, resourceful Zach, looking back on my life, I'll hit those two key moments and I'll tell you what old Zach would say. 13-year-old Zach needed to know that it's safe and okay to let other men into your life and to father you, not be your father, but to father you in that time. Because I resisted that. I didn't want that. I was wounded and I just like pushed away from other men truly doing what they wanted to do in terms of being present for me. And it's not that they didn't try or weren't available. I just didn't let them. And so old wise Zach would go back and tell 13 year old Zach, let them in because that would have been transformational for my life. I could have dodged so many wounds if I had done that. 27-year-old Zach, you know, burned out, face grinding against rock bottom, <laughs> you know, looking at that. Old Zach would tell him that this moment, this mess is about to become your message. And you don't need to be so ashamed. I carried the shame of that situation for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Before I had the courage and, and willingness to share it on a podcast like this, I never would have done this. You know, right. five years ago, six years ago. Now I know how powerful it is. And not to say that it took me a long, long time to get here. I mean, I'm really blessed to be where I'm at, but I also do know that it took a lot longer than it needed to because I carried the weight of guilt and shame for such a long time. So that's what old Zach would say. Like, look, there's nothing to be ashamed of. 
this situation is about to set you up, you know, this setback is a setup, mm -hmm. right? It's like your mess becomes your message. Burnout to breakthrough. Like that's what I love about your show, Pamela. Every episode title, every guest, everything about Underdog is this core message. Like let go of the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, all those feelings of self-loathing and self-doubt let that go because this place, this low place is setting you up for that unbelievable impact if you will let it. Right. And it took me a lot longer than I needed to to get there because I didn't let go. So that's the wisdom I needed. I love that, Zach. Thank you so much for sharing that. Those are super powerful, super, super powerful. My goodness, my goodness. And now my friend, like, you're working on some incredible stuff. I mean, the work that you do on a daily basis is is incredible. But like, what's up in your world in like the next like few months? What's happening in that world? A few months. Well, you know, thankfully, now that most of the COVID-19 challenges are in the rearview mirror, we are doing live events with our clients now. We just did our first one in February in Copper Mountain, Colorado. And what I do, we call lifestyle engineering. So mm -hmm. I got my mechanical engineering degree from Purdue and the University of Michigan but my lifestyle engineering degree came through the school of hard knocks and setbacks. So, so we do lifestyle engineering and these events are super fun where we're doing coaching and training and conference like experiences with this community, but then we're doing life together, just having fun. So skiing and snowboarding out in Colorado and blending the two in some unique ways, which is pretty unusual for most conference experiences where you're used to sitting at tables and listening to speakers all day. This is nothing like that. And so, we're planning our next events and really getting prepared for how we can scale the impact through that for our community of lifestyle engineers. And then honestly, Pamela, it's all about reaching more people. I feel like I'm right in the lane that, that God's called me to be in. This work is really powerful and there are thousands of engineers and leaders at all levels that need this in their life. And we're just getting started. So that's the game for me. It's just how can we broadcast this and serve as many people as possible. And until further notice, that's all you're gonna see me doing. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. That sounds absolutely incredible. My goodness, my goodness. Now, Thank you. Now, because it sounds so amazing, everyone's probably like, where do we find Zach? How can we find out about these events and all this awesomeness? So where can everybody find you, Zach? Thank you for the opportunity to share that, Pamela. And if someone listening is in science, technology, engineering, as a profession and you deeply resonate with this and you know you need that coach and that guide, I'd love to invite you to just reach out directly and let's get time just for making it to this point in the podcast. We appreciate you. I know Pamela loves you. I love you. So text the word lifestyle, just one word to 55444. So if you wanna get time with me, Five five four four four. Grab your phone, text the word lifestyle, and we'll send you a link. Grab time with my team. They're going to ask you a few questions to make sure we know what's going on in your situation, and they'll book you onto my calendar. At least at the time of this recording, I still take all of those calls. It's a 75-minute coaching session, totally free. It's a $500 session we'll give to you for free just for you know listening to this podcast and taking action. If that's not you and you're not ready for a call, I totally get it. You can find me on my podcast. So wherever you listen to the underdog, just jump over to the happy engineer. That's me. You'll see my bright smiling face on the cover, orange background, the happy engineer podcast, just 
hit follow. All the ways to find me, connect with me, et cetera, are in the show notes. I love that, Zach. You're an absolute rock star, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and just everything. My gosh, I'm just, I'm humbled. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, my friend. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. Underdogs.